Wow, you all, y'all, y'all sound good this morning. How are you excited that you came out to church today? It's great to see you. Love you all very, very much. Hey, we're gonna be linking live right now with the plaza. Can we welcome everyone on the plaza location? How about everybody that's online? And last and definitely not least, in fact, so near and dear to all of our hearts, how about the men of Lansing Correctional Facility? We love you. Hey, it's the first of the month and um, it's our opportunity to gather around the Lord's table and receive communion together. Uh, this is a holy moment uh, where we take a moment just to remember what Jesus has done. And in a world that is so crazy and so chaotic, sometimes we just need this simple reminder of all that God has done for us, all that Jesus has, the price he paid for our lives and our, to wipe away our sin and our shame and establish us in this love and this grace that is so beautiful and so amazing. So on the plaza up north, um, what you had on your seat is a, a little communion packet. I can hear you all opening it up right now. There's no way to hide the fact that these little space packs are noisy and we're gonna receive communion. Uh, again, like this world's crazy. It's just wild out there. But I love that we have this 2,000 year old just opportunity to remember what has been done. And it's also a fresh reminder that he's not done yet. Do you believe that? That the same power that raised Christ from the dead, we got a reminder that now lives in us. We were once outcast and estranged from the love of God. Now we've been brought close because of what Jesus has done for us. Come on, Plaza North, would you hold the bread with me? Thank you, God, for loving us so much that you sent the most precious of gifts, the gift of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you went to the cross. In that moment, you were broken so that our connection with God could be unbroken, could be restored, could be renewed. And so we take a moment to say thank you, to remember the price that was paid so that we can partake in all that God is. Just as we are, we can receive all that he has for us. Thank you, Jesus. In your brokenness, we are being made whole in Jesus' name. Receive the bread. Jesus, your blood was poured out for our sins to be washed away once and for all. And it's given us a lifeline, this connection forever with the love of God. It's a reminder that we are sons and daughters of an amazing Heavenly Father. We believe and take this fresh and new, whether we've grown up in church our whole life, just to remind ourselves of the, not only the price that was paid, but all that we get. We get the goodness of God, the grace of God. We get the anointing that destroys the burden. We get the healing and restoration of your power at work, even in our problems and even in the midst of our struggles. We just choose to celebrate your goodness and that you're the God that's got us right where we're at and is taking us to where we're called to go. I pray a unity in this church, focusing on Jesus, God's love for us, and then help us love this world around us here at Hillsong, Kansas City. In Jesus' name, we can receive in the cup. And Lord, as we open up the word, I thank you that you're taking us into a new frontier that our past is behind us, your plan's right in front of us, and we're making progress as we're being led by your spirit. I thank you that our minds are open to hear what you have to say, that we're plugged in to the voice of heaven. Lord, I thank you that at our church, we're building people that bring heaven 
to earth. So do your, your building and your, your rebuilding and your restoration work in us, in our hearts, and in our minds. I think our minds are being renewed by your word as we're growing in our faith and we're looking more like Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on. Isn't it just good to remember how good God is? Let's celebrate. On the plaza up north, you guys can grab your seats. I'm going to give this to Nate. Nate, just here you are. I'll make it as awkward as possible. I like the new hair, by the way. You look like a, like a tall bearded beaver. That's a compliment, okay? That's a compliment. We're in a season of messages and sermons called the New Frontier. How do we get to the new places of promise that God has prepared for us? You know, last week I, I got the opportunity uh, to, to speak at my friend's, uh, church friend's brand new building. Uh, they were opening up the building. I was first guest speaker. It was awesome. It was in Florida, uh, which was also awesome to be there in January, although I think our temperature on Monday was about the same. And uh, I just thanking God, though, for a midweek uh, snow. Okay, our kids were home from school for two days. That was started as a blessing, ended out as, as a problem. <laughs> Uh, but man, all the snows these last two years, I feel like they've come on Saturday and on Sunday. How many know the devil is a liar and we're keeping that snow away from our church, okay? But I, I was gone and I thought the guys on the team did a phenomenal job and uh, they, they really did amazing. Landing up here and Chris on the plaza, talking about faithfulness. Faithfulness. You're going to go into the new frontier. You've got to learn to remain faithful. There's some enemies to faithfulness. Uh, frustrations cause us to, to kind of quit on the faithfulness part. Uh, also just impatience. Uh, impatience, I don't know about you, but for me, impatience can test my faithfulness when things aren't just happening as much as or as soon as I thought they should happen or on my timeline. And I want to speak, um, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 today, but I want to set the stage with just a couple things that it takes to enter into the promised place or the new frontier that God has prepared for you. You know, God speaks to uh, Joshua in a season of uncertainty. Moses, the, the man on the mountain, the man who met with God, he is gone missing. He, he's gone from the earth. And so God kind of speaks to Joshua. This is their first known kind of God encounter, God speaking to Joshua moment. And God tells them a few things to do as they're walking into the new frontier, the promised land. Uh, but he repeats the same thing three times. And it just puts the emphasis on if you can do these two things, if you can have these two character traits, you can cross the Jordan, you can fight the battles, Jericho's walls will come down, and you'll have that new frontier that I have destined and designed for you to inhabit. He says, I need you to be strong. Like, I need you to have strength. Like, I need you to bring your best, and I need you to be courageous. I need you to have courage. Uh, I, I need you to, to be strong and courageous. He goes on to say, hey, don't, don't dismay. Don't be in fear. There's going to be some fights in your promised land. The new frontier won't come without a cost. But if you can be strong and you can keep your courage, I, I'm going to give you everything that I've promised you. So what does it look like to be strong and courageous? I mean, what does courage really look like? Is it just like speaking optimistically about an unfortunate situation or struggle? Is courage a, a, an expression of your face? 
Like when you just have a growl of determination, like you're working out for the first time in a long time. Is it about your willpower or is it a mixture of your will and God's will and his power? How do you stay strong when you feel weak? How do you find courage when you've been discouraged? I want to speak for the next 28 minutes and 27 seconds. Um, That's my clock up there that I normally ignore because I don't like to be limited. And unfortunately, there is no Chiefs game later today. But can we just just mourn for the loss of last week? And we move on. Okay. How do we, how to keep your courage? How to keep your courage? If I've got to have courage to walk into the new frontier, if I have to have courage to build my family the way that God desires, if I have to have courage to fight for unity in my marriage, if I have to have courage to bring more of heaven to the world around me, how do I keep it when I'm under attack or distress? How do I hold on to courage in the midst of adversity? I think discouragement is born in the midst of delay and disappointment. We've been in seasons these last couple years, especially, it seems like so much is start, stop, pause, and delay and and so many opportunities for disappointment have abound you know one thing i have learned personally in the building of this church for the last 11 years and really in every god thing i've ever desired to become a reality in my life that, that everything that is of god seems to come with a lot of delays am i the only one out there that like anytime i'm believing for something or God speaks something to my heart and I get my faith up to believe for it. It always seems like I gotta keep my faith or keep my courage up because it doesn't ever happen on the timeline that I desire. I mean, if I'm gonna give you a status update and an illustration at the same time, let's just talk about our new South building for our South location. Um, We were supposed to be closed and done four or five weeks ago, but it's been delayed. Now it's fully on. We now finally have a concrete way forward once and for all, but it's still going to be another four weeks and we've done everything in our ability. And I've just been frustrated by it because like we had the resource to purchase and, and we have the agreement in place, but we've just been waiting for a stamp from the city and we bless our city and we're grateful for our city. We have no animosity, only forgiveness for the city, but it's just been a delay. And I'm like, God, why? Like this, this is your church. This isn't like a selfish endeavor. This is your kingdom come. Has you ever felt that in anything you've been believing for in your life? Like, God, this is what, isn't this what you wanted? Isn't this what you asked of me? Is this not your plan? Like, God, why, why, this is your church. This is your building. This is for the, the reaching of more people, bringing more heaven to earth. Like, isn't this what you want? Like, why has there been a delay? Like, are we not your people? And you are our God. We are your temple. Make us holy like you are. This is your thing. But it seems to take a lot longer than we've desired. And I've had my frustrations. And I know all of us have. Anytime you're contending for anything great, not just good, God sometimes allows 
delays to happen and resistance and adversity to come, not to slow us down and definitely not to stop you, but to form something lasting on the inside of you. And I love that I get to lead a church and listen, I get to pastor a church that in the midst of so many dilemmas and so many struggles in our outside world that we have people who our faith has actually been galvanized in the season of uncertainty and fighting through adversity. And we have kept our courage. I think discouragement comes when we get a limited perspective and we just lack, we lack patience. Perspective is so important and so powerful to your faith that you're not looking at your own abilities and you're not looking at the storm that you might currently find yourself in in this season, but you got a vision that's beyond it. You got something that you're looking up to that's, that's well above the current status of where you find yourself in your current situation. A, a vision beyond gives you an optimism. Optimism is this hopefulness and this confidence that the, the future is gonna be better than the current scenario or situation. But we live in a world that is the farthest thing from optimistic right now. One word can describe how Americans are feeling about how things are going, and that word is bad. I know that's deep theology for you, but Gallup just released a poll that they do every year at the beginning of the year for over 20 years. And they ask people, how do you feel like Things are going in the world, the nation, and your world. And, and there are 30% of people, this was just on January 16th, 30% of people are dissatisfied with their life. They, they are dissatisfied. 20 years ago, in 2002, it was only 11%. Like we are 19% more people are just dissatisfied negative about what could be happening or where they currently find themselves. Listen, delays are inevitable. But if you keep the right perspective, start looking at the right things, you do not have to live discouraged no matter what you're facing. And some of you, you've heard that time and again, that there is hope for your future and grace for today, but you need to hear it without the restrictions of your current scenario or situation. In Exodus chapter six, Moses was trying to tell the people, God's gonna do something good. God's got a plan. God's gonna set you free. God's gonna take you to the place of promise. God's got a new frontier for his family. And it says in verse nine, Moses told the people what the Lord had said, but they wouldn't listen anymore. They'd become too discouraged by the increasing burden of their slavery. And I wonder what you feel like is enslaving you. I wonder what burden you feel like you are bearing. I tell you right now, don't allow any situation or struggle or even betrayal in your life stop you from listening to what God is saying and speaking. To keep your courage, you gotta get your thoughts right, get your mind right, get your vision right, get your focus on things, and you're gonna need the voice of God to speak to you, if you're gonna make it through the bad day that you're in and into the blessed place of the promise of the new frontier that God has prepared for you, you don't even need to hear my words, you need to tap into what heaven is saying about your situation right here and now. Have you ever had like a really bad day and you tell your friend about it and then they one-up you with how bad their day is? Or you've ever just like been in such a struggle season and you just hear about somebody and you're like, oh man, it ain't that bad where I'm at right now. 
You know, anytime I feel like I'm, 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 I just can't do it anymore, I'm, I'm just in a season of struggle and I, I want to surrender and give up, you know, I just read the Apostle Paul. Anyone else out there? Like, I read a book uh, on Apostle Paul last year, and it's like, man, the biggest thing I got out of that book is it's like, I, man, God's been really good to me. Like, I've had a very little resistance compared, compared to this apostle. And in fact, he talks about that in 2 Corinthians 11. He says, I've just worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently because of preaching the gospel. I've been flogged more severely. Uh, I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times they whipped me. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. It's not talking about medicinal. It's talking about stones. Uh, nearly stoned to death. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've got to be constantly on the move. And I've been in danger from rivers. They're trying to drown them from bandits, from my own people. I've been in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, the country, at sea, from false brothers and betrayal. I've gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst. I've gone without food. I've been cold. I've been naked. No clothes. Thank you, Apostle Paul. We know what it means to be naked. Maybe the Corinthians didn't. Besides everything else, I feel the daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. I know he puts that one last, which, you know, that's the only one I think I feel that you maybe don't feel, but like, he's like, man, I just got a lot of problems. And when I read that, I think about, man, how did he do it? How did he overcome so many obstacles and keep the faith and as he said, and finish the race and fulfill the purpose of heaven for his life? Well, in 2 Corinthians 4, a few chapters earlier, he, he shows us, this is how I chose to stay Encourage. I want to take you on a little walk through this passage, really almost verse by verse, to know how he overcame the pain and the problems that were persistently against him and fulfilled the purpose and completed his calling. He starts it off by saying in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1, God in his mercy, God in his mercy has given us, talking about the apostles, this ministry and work to do. That is why we don't become discouraged and we never give up. Three different times in this chapter, he says, this is why I just don't get discouraged. I don't allow discouragement and delays and problems to stop me from moving forward. And how does he start it off? He says, it's God in his mercy has given me this ministry, has given me this work to do, has given me this mission. Mercy means that I didn't get what I deserved because God is so good. He has allowed me, even though I've got all these obstacles, he's actually just given me, I'm just grateful that I have an opportunity to do this anyway. And this is why when we just live our life in consumer mindset, that we just need God to bless everything that we're desiring and dreaming for, that we, we, we sometimes so quickly lose heart and get discouraged and not realizing that he's actually is such a good God who gives good and perfect gifts and takes care of his children. But your calling does have a cost and it's, you've been given something to do and it's actually a blessing. It's not a burden because we didn't deserve to even be in this family in the first place. This is all a gift of the mercy of God. How do you keep your courage? You got to learn to stay in this lane called loved. 
mercy is because God so loved me. He invited me in. God so cared about my heart. God so wanted me to know him and him to know me, to have a relationship with me. He's extended mercy for me because I'm loved. And if you find yourself weary and worn out for the resistance that you've been facing, you have probably forgotten how good God has already been to you, that he's given you mercy when you didn't deserve it. And even the things he's asking of you are really just opportunities that you should not have had if you really had to pay the price for your mistakes and who you really were. I know this is being direct and I'm right up in your business, but we didn't deserve the breath we just took. We didn't deserve to give the praise that we just gave. We didn't deserve the opportunity to fund and fuel the mission of Jesus through the local church through generosity like we just did. We didn't deserve to gather. This is a gift from God. And maybe your marriage feels like misery right now. That's a gift from God. It's the merciful to you to give us the opportunity and this ministry, this work that we're all called to stay in this lane called love. And I know you know that God loves you up here. I say it every single week because it is flowing through the passages of the word of God. You can't help but find out places where it says, but I've loved you with an everlasting love. I will not leave you, nor will I abandon you, nor will I forsake you. Why? Because I love you. And I think especially if you grow up in church, you hear it all the time, but until you feel it, until you feel it, your other feelings will overpower the knowledge that you have that God loves you. So I know if you're discouraged right now, it's because you've left that lane called love. You're thinking that God has allowed you to go through this or God isn't really with you or that his plan won't prevail in your life. And you're missing, although you might know what the word of God says, it hasn't saturated and touched your heart because I don't think you can know how much God loves you and feel the love of God and be discouraged at the same time. Anytime that I'm feeling discouraged, it's normally because I'm just looking at the problems, not at the promise keeper and my problem solver and how much he actually cares for me. And this whole chapter in 2 Corinthians 4 is all about discouragement. And the number one, he says, hey, I want to start off by saying I'm able to do all this because of the mercy of God, because of how much God loves me. And yes, God disciplines those he loves. My kids, I love them. I want them to go further and farther than Liz and I ever have. I want them to, to, to champion the, the calling of God on their life, whether it's in the business world and building another family. I don't want no grandkids right now, but like in the future, I want them to have everything that God desires for them and for them, me to get them to that place. I can't just like lock them in the room, throw candy and iPads in there. I got to invest in them. And anytime you're feeling like God is changing and challenging and reworking things, it's just because your father wants to invest in you because he loves you. But if all you're ever hearing from God is that, oh, I feel convicted about this and God has disciplined me because of this and God is just correcting me about this. If all you ever hear is a voice that feels negative, I'm telling you, you're not hearing all that God is saying because God starts every sentence with the fact that he loves you. And God completes every challenge of what he's trying to do in your inside world and development of your character with the punctuation mark of I love you. Everything that God does, he does in when we live in this lane called love. And if you've left that lane, no wonder you've been discouraged. 
because you got your eyes on your problems and things that haven't come to pass yet, and you've forgotten the fact that everything we get is a gift of the grace of God. Paul understood that. That's why he was able to overcome so much struggle. In verse 2, he says, we don't try to trick anyone, and we don't twist the word of God. Instead, we teach the truth plainly, showing everyone who we really are. Then they can know in their hearts what kind of people we are in God's sight. I love that. He says, first, everything we have is because we're loved by God. This is a mercy gift that we even get the opportunity to live for him. And the second thing is, hey, we don't play games and we don't hide who we are. If you want to keep your courage, you have to quit pretending. Uh, we have to quit pretending. We want authenticity over the perceived perfection and pose of your life. You cannot fake your way to being fulfilled. God wants to anoint the authentic you. God will not anoint the fake you. And we live in this world of posturing and posing, pretending that everything is perfect, but God doesn't bless posers. People that live for the approval of others will not fulfill the purpose of heaven. And I think something is just exhausting to try to keep up the appearance that you have it all together. That's why even Paul in this letter, he doesn't hide. He's the apostle that brought them the gospel. And he doesn't hide the fact that he's been beaten and shipwrecked. It could look like God is not with Paul. Like from the, the, the long list of things I just said that he walked through, that he declared, like, these are all the things I faced. It could look like God is like against him. And yet he says, hey, I've gone through all this. I just want to know you. I've been through some things. Life hasn't been all that good, but God is still good. I'm going to show you who I really am. I think this is the, the power and the importance of being in a real community. Because we can all fake it for, for 45 minutes or so, an hour 15 on a Sunday. But we can't live that way for the rest of our lives and still experience the best that God has for our lives. Like quit pretending that you're not in a struggle. Like we all have been in a struggle these last few years. I think frustration in isolation is what the enemy used to get, uses to get you to quit. That's why it's so important that this isn't all of the church that you have, that you get in a connect group. I know there's part of you of insecurity or even the busyness of life that wants to tell you you don't have time for it. I'm going to tell you, you don't not have time to get in relationship with other believers, to be encouraged. Because there's a place where you can just be authentically you. And you can find out other people are walking through the same scenario and situation that you're facing. And mutually together, God does this beautiful thing in unity. We won't just talk about our problems. We pray about our problems. And we talk about God's solution. And we encourage one another to keep going in this race. Even when we're facing obstacles. You know, one of the most liberating moments... Um, of the past few years for my own heart and soul was at heart and soul when we gathered together as a team and a church family right here on this stage. I think it was May. Uh, we'd been in the season of sermons called uh, It Is Well, talking about the status of our heart and soul, how to overcome uh, just anxiety and issues and problems. And Liz and I, we sat up here and we just said, man, leading through COVID has been real hard. Like leading church has been real difficult. We've had some betrayal and we've had some, some, some things coming against us. And it just 
honestly, I know you know, all know deep down, I'm not a superhero of the faith. And I was just able to, if you will, like just, I'm never posturing or posing. I was just able to tell the people that I love and they get the huge opportunity and blessing to lead that this has been a struggle. And I'm thankful for everyone that's been on the journey. And something about that moment, I felt an overwhelming encouragement and like a galvanized group of us that said, hey, we're not going to fight against each other. We're going to fight for each other. We're not going to hold each other to some false sense of perfection. We're going to let God perfect that which concerns us as we just keep making progress into God's plan. And it was just liberating to be real in the same way. If you're constantly hiding your heartaches and your struggles and your issues and your hangups, you are not helping yourself move forward. You're actually hindering the progress of the way that God works because authenticity is your ticket to new territory. When you can humbly be before God just as you are and be in community with other people that are going to champion the calling of God on your life. You need a family in this fight of faith. If you haven't been plugged into our church, we'd love for you to. We have next steps. It's a new, brand new process. You get to do it on your time. And it's not about, here's how you serve, and this is what we know. No, it's about, this is how we belong together. This is the purpose of God for the last 2,000 years is to build his church, which isn't buildings. It's building people that bring heaven to earth. And so if you stay a spectator, you'll never experience the significant blessing of being in this community and this family of faith together. God does not promote the perfect. He promotes the humble. In verse 5, it says, our message is not about ourselves. We're just not about ourselves. It's about Jesus Christ as the Lord. We are merely your servants. We're here to serve other people for Jesus' sake. If you want to keep your courage, you need to get out of God's way. Do you get the glory for every breakthrough and promotion in your life? Do you get to brag on all the things that you made happen with your own ability? Or do you give God the glory for any good thing that ever happens in your life and in your world? I don't know about you, but I, if there's glory that belongs to God, I don't want to keep it for myself. And Paul says our message, our ministry, my, my life is just not about ourselves. It's not about me. We say here all the time, uh, it's about God's glory or nothing at all. It is not about our own achievement and our own ability. It's not about us to perform or persuade people. This has got to be God's glory or we don't want in on it. We do what we do, he says, for Jesus's sake. And if you've been in a struggle season or you've been discouraged, you might need to go back and look at your why. Why do I want the promotion in my life. I think promotion is of God, and I think it's for every single one of his followers. Uh, I, why do I want blessing in my life? Why do I want new territory? Is it just so I can have a place of status, or am I willing to surrender it to the glory of God for service of others? And if you can make that shift of authenticity and humility, oh, watch and see how God will work and pour out even more than you thought when you're in that place and your heart is postured that way, and you keep your courage because you know this is just a part of your calling, and God gets all the glory. Verse 7, he says, we're just like clay jars. We're, we're fragile. We're not perfect. He says, in which is a treasure. The treasure of God is stored in us. 
And the real power comes from God, not from us. I would say this in a very practical way, how to keep your courage is to learn how to just relax in your limits. You cannot do it all. You can, it's easy to fill your schedule. It's hard to fulfill your schedule. It's easy to say yes and make a promise. It's a lot more difficult to keep the promise. I mean, it's easy to get in debt. It's hard to get out of debt. Like, it's so easy to say, hey, yeah, I'm going to add this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this happen. And just understand, there is a limit to all that you can do. So quit complaining about all the things you can't control. Start owning the things that you can and learn by the grace of God, not to try to force every bit of forward progress in your life, but to realize, man, I'm just a person, but I'm a person that carries the power of God. So I, it's not about me and my own ability. It's about Christ in me, the hope of glory. And if I learn to get out of the way and realize I've got limitations, I can't make everything happen in my own willpower. I begin to tap into divine power. You don't want, you might be so gifted and God has given us so many gifted people. We have such an incredible church of courageous people. And yet when we learn to like not make it about us and that we can't do everything all the time, when we learn to relax in our limitations, we see that God leads us to a place where he can take the limits off. When we get out of our own natural, that is where we find the supernatural. God only uses flawed instruments. God only uses broken vessels to reveal his glory. He's never used a perfect person once apart from Jesus. And Paul says, I can, one place he says, I can even glory in my weaknesses because wherever I'm weak, man, God, Christ is so strong. You think about it, this is just the way the kingdom of God works. When God had his plan at just the right time, the Bible says, it was, did not seem like an ideal time for Israel didn't seem like an ideal time for Mary or for Joseph, but God says, no, you aren't very much, but I can do so much through you. Think about it. when God invaded earth to save us all, it was a baby born to peasants in a barn. The kingdom of God entered through weakness, not through strength. And that is what humility is all about. It's about God's power, not your own. And humility is not denying your strengths or your talents. That's false humility. Real humility is being about honest with your weaknesses and then relying on God to do what you cannot do. In 2 Corinthians 4, this time in verse 8, he says, we often suffer, but we're never crushed. In other words, I got some problems, but they ain't stopping me. Uh, even when we don't know what to do, we never give up. In times of trouble, God is with us. And when we're knocked down, we get up again. I want to speak this over someone's life, probably many of our lives today, that just because you've got some setbacks right now in this season, it is a setup for God to show up in the next season. If you do not quit in a season of struggle, you will have a reward in the season to come. If you want to keep your courage, you don't quit in the dip. In fact, businesses that learn to innovate, 
in seasons of economic slump are ones that are accelerated in the next season. And believers that learn to find some courage when you've been discouraged and to find some strength when you feel weak and to anchor yourself to a promise of God when all you see are problems in front of you, they don't just make it through the valley, they go on to the mountaintop. And there is a mountaintop moment for you if you do not quit in this current dip. Why is Paul so resilient? Why did you do all this, Paul? I mean, for real, real, like, your life was, was crazy. You make a movie about his life, which I think they have, and it's probably not very good, but if you made a real movie about his life, no one would believe it. But how did you go get back up every time you got knocked down? In verse 15, he says, all these sufferings of ours, man, it's for you. I got a bigger purpose than my own pleasure. I've got a, I've got an eternal purpose. I've got a people purpose. This isn't for me. I'm not trying to be this super apostle, Paul says. I just realized the mercy of God met me when I was going the absolute wrong way. I met him on a road called Damascus. And he saved me and he spoke to me and he told me I was gonna have to suffer some things, but it was for him. And so I'm willing to go through some things because God's gonna use me to do something that's bigger than me. He says, all these sufferings of ours, verse 15, are for your benefit. And the more of you who are one to Christ, the more there are to thank him for his great mercy. And the more of God, that God gets the glory. If you're gonna keep your courage, you gotta find purpose in your current problem or you can put pain in there. You gotta find that there's a greater purpose in this. It, yes, it is to build character. Yes, it is to make me, inform me, and shape me to become more like Christ. But I, I keep my courage because there's a purpose in this problem that I'm coming up against. Study after study has shown the unbelievable amount of pain a human being can handle if it's attached to a purpose. Every mom in the room should say yes and amen right there. Like, think about the, the pain of childbirth. Three of the most dramatic, traumatic days of my life, and I was just a spectator. I was just a breathing coach who I needed my own coach. But I remember the beauty of literally the pain for a person. What, what the childbirth process is crazy it is you're able to do that because you know there's this promise of this beautiful child and their promise of their future that's coming on the other end and when you have pain and you don't see a purpose it's unbearable and no one has told you in a while or maybe you've never heard there is an unbelievable god purpose for your life that through your life your legacy it's greater than you even know the lives that will be forever changed because we're only here for 80 plus years and it's temporary. But what God does through us, the people of courage, the people of not our self-reliance, but of God confidence, the people that learn to give God all the glory is that we stay strong and courageous because what's coming after us is so significant. We can struggle in a season when we know that the benefit and the breakthrough are for the people coming after you. And when you live that way, you are more like Christ than ever before. 
Christ did not go to the cross. Jesus did not go to the cross for himself. He didn't sin. And yet he saw a purpose on the other end of that pain and that problem that he wanted to solve. And so he's willing to be taxed at the highest level. In the moment of such unbelievable pain, inner anguish and outward hurt, he went through the cross. Why? He could see that this was a redemptive moment, that his struggle was not without significance. It was bringing salvation to all humanity. If you're thankful that Jesus saw you on the other end of his pain, can we just give him some glory for a moment and maybe change our perspective about our current problem? This is why, verse 16, we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. And I just believe this for you, that this is a renewal season. Hey, you gotta stay a husband and stay a, a mom. And you gotta stay faithful, you got things to do, but in your inside world, your spirit world, you're not putting pause on all the activity of your life. No, you're just learning to find the presence in your inside life. That this, like if you're gonna keep your courage, you understand there's a pace to this promise and it takes renewal. It takes renewal. That this would be a season of refreshing and renewal for you as you keep fighting for the God future, as we keep building people that bring heaven to earth, as we keep declaring the day of salvation in the favor of God for Kansas City and beyond, that we would find this inner strength, this pace to the promise, this renewal in our spirit. Galatians 6, let us not get tired of doing what is right. Why are you tired? Because doing what's right is hard. I mean, it's real hard. When you're the one working diligently, like the Bible says, doing your work on the Lord and everyone else is taking shortcuts, you're doing the right thing, but it's tiring. When a lot of other people that don't live for God and don't believe for God and don't honor God first in their life, seem like they're going by you, passing you by, man, it gets tiring doing what's right. But it says after a little while, how long is a little while? Gosh, I wish I could tell you. Man, I wish I could prophesy when your little while is over and the harvest is here, but only God knows that. But in the perspective of your entire life, everything you are facing right now is just a blip. It's just a vapor. It's just a breath of a moment that lasts so much longer than you. After a little while, you will reap a harvest of blessing. If you don't get discouraged and give up. Paul knows that. He says in verse 17, our present troubles are quite small. Quite small. Paul, like what you went through, I don't consider small. Well, then he must have a whole lot bigger perspective than the way I see it. They, it won't last very long. Yet they produce in us an immeasurably great glory that will last forever. So we don't look at our troubles of everything that's coming against us. No, for what we can just see right now. Rather, we look forward to what we have not yet seen. These troubles will soon be over. I want to declare that over your life, that your troubles will soon be over. But what God builds in you, in this fight that you are in, will long live in your future. And there is a joy, he says, that lasts forever. Let me tell you what you have to look forward to. The hand of God on your life. It's here now, even though you don't feel it. 
What you're walking through in the moment of adversity is a time of reshaping your renewal and humility so that God can produce more and promote you more. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand. God's hand is already on your life, believer. You might be trying to figure everything out. You can relax in this moment and just keep doing the last thing that God told you to do. But let me tell you what you have to look forward in your future. Your God dreams becoming a reality. Your family walking in unity, living according to the plan and purpose of heaven for your life. Your neighbors and loved ones coming alive to Jesus. Your dreams coming to life. These present troubles will not last very long, but the glory of God in your life and the glory of God on your life and the eternal reward of what God does through your life will last forever. On the plaza up north, why don't you stand to your feet? Let's take a moment to thank God in advance that He hasn't forgotten us, that this is all for Him and because of Him, that we're only here today because of the mercy of God and we get to bring ministry and we get to build family and we even get to build our careers, not for our own glory, but for God's glory. And though we're in a troubled season, it is just a moment, but what God does in us and what God does through us lasts for forever. Right where you're at in your own words, not in a loud, crazy way, but just in a, a moment of surrender. Can you just take all your anxious thoughts and all your frustrations and all of your discouragement and all of your weakness and just say, God, I give it to you again. I get a right perspective. This is small. Man, it's cost me a lot to even stay in my place of calling, but you didn't call me this far just to cancel the assignment of heaven on my life. That if you gave me the dream and you spoke about the new frontier, I'm gonna be in a season of renewal in my instant world. God, I just give it to you again. This is light and momentary compared to the beauty and the glory that lasts forever. Have you been in a season of discouragement? Have you been in a season of frustration? You feel like your strength has been weak on the plaza up north? Can you just raise your hand right here? Come on, we're a family of faith. Hands up all around. Yeah. Yeah, I believe it. It's been real. It has been, life is hard enough as it was two years ago. How much more so even today? So much uncertainty, so much fear. But this you can be certain of, God's faithful. Let me pray for every hand that's lifted in this room, every hand on the plaza, everyone online, everyone at Lansing. Father God, I thank you right now. You are speaking to their inside world. They might not like what they see in the outside, but they're able to get a perspective that's bigger than the current problem or current pain. It feels like a delay, but they're choosing not to be discouraged. Lord, I thank you. They are strong and they are courageous, not by their own ability, but by your supernatural strength and grace that is on their life. God, you look out for your kids and every son and daughter in this house, you're looking out for and you're growing them even through what they're going up against. I speak renewal. I speak strength. I thank you, God, there's a new sense of humility and even an audacity to believe big again. Lord, I thank you that your strong hand is showing up even in the hard places of their life and nothing is too difficult for our God. Where there's been sadness and discouragement, I speak joy and faith in that place. And Lord, you give them practical steps this week to walk with you, to see your glory work through their life and Lord, I thank you, you are taking them to the place 
they're called to go in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe that, if you receive that, if you want some more of that, can we just give God some glory for a moment? Come on. Come on, let's worship together, church.